You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you, of course, by our good friends at MyBookie. We still have a couple of weeks left, guys, for you to take advantage of the awesome promo deal that MyBookie has been offering you guys all year long, all season long. All you have to do is go to MyBookie.ag, use the promo code UGA, and MyBookie will match your first deposit up to $200 in actual cash, that's just straight up added to your account, no strings attached, no crazy bonus stuff, no rollover stuff, it's just straight to your account, and as soon as you bet that initial deposit, you can withdraw that bonus cash and do whatever it is that you want to do with it, so make sure, take advantage of it while you still can, and bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie, and happy early National Signing Day to all of you Bulldogs out there, look, Every day is a great day to be a Georgia Bulldog. But days like these, when the rich get richer and we do what we have to do to keep this mean machine rolling for the foreseeable future, these days are especially awesome. You know, Kirby said it last year after the National Championship game that Georgia is not going anywhere and that we're going to continue to be a force in college football to be reckoned with. In classes like this, guys, are exactly how you back that up and how you turn those statements into reality. So, yes, great day, great day to be a Georgia Bulldog. But if you will allow me this, I do have one complaint. And this has absolutely nothing to do with the recruiting class that Kirby Smart and his staff have put together. I love this class. I love these prospects. I'm very, very excited about it. But if I'm being entirely honest, signing day just ain't what it used to be, guys. It's just not. I've been following recruiting maniacally for about, oh, I don't know, man, like pushing 20 or so years now at this point, close to it at least. And as much as I love signing all these elite players, as exciting that is in and of itself, signing day as an entity just doesn't carry the same level of excitement that it once did it just doesn't it does not it doesn't have the juice doesn't have the energy that it once did you know once upon a time 10 15 years ago you know back in the day 
a lot of people used to take the day off. If you guys remember this, some of you probably used to do this, right? Where, where people would take the day off, come up, come up here to Athens, go to the Blind Pig, the old school original location on campus, the OG location. I, I love the Blind Pig downtown now. It's way more convenient for me to get to, like just on a regular Friday night. But on signing day, like game day itself, like, there's nothing that really beats like the Blind Pig being that old like OG location there off of Baldwin Street. Just, just a great classic spot. If you know, you know. But signing day was like literally a holiday in Georgia. That's, that's basically what it, what it was, or at least for people who follow the Georgia Bulldogs. So people would come up to Athens, go to the Blind Pig, drink the day away, celebrate every letter of intent that came in, and just generally have one heck of a time. And back in those days when signing day was actually signing day, there were always like a bunch of big names, huge targets out there for us to potentially land. Like we didn't know, like we would be scouring message boards for like two or three weeks leading up to signing day. And it got really hardcore, really hot and heavy that last week. Just looking for any like minor suggestion that we might land these guys. You'd be looking for insiders here, insiders there. You'd be looking for mods to give you like some shred of hope that we might land these guys. And you took everything and anything that you got and usually just ran with it. There was just always that injury. Like, are we going to get this guy? Are we going to get that guy? Is he going to go here? Is he going to go there? And there was just 100% genuine elation watching those commitment videos when those guys put on the red and black hat or did whatever they did, put out a bulldog. Who was that? Isaiah Crowell back in the day, I want to say. And then alternately, of course, like there was despair when they put on some other colors. Like that that's part of the deal. It's honestly like it sucks to lose guys. It sucked back then. It still sucks now. But it's, that's kind of the fun. It's kind of the drama, right? Like like landing all those guys doesn't feel quite as good if you don't lose some guys along the way too. You know what I mean? It's like winning a national championship. I mean, it feels great in and of its own, but if we hadn't gone through all those heartbreaks, all those all those different years, all those different times, would it have felt quite as good as it did? I mean, yeah, it would have felt awesome, but those of us who, who were there for the long haul and suffered through that, all of, all of that heartache, that made the national championship actually feel that much sweeter. So you just don't have that anymore. It's just not that way anymore when it comes to national signing. And there's a couple reasons why. Uh, I'm trying to trace back like what was the genesis of like, signing day losing its luster I think the early signing period was really the first thing to kill that because now it's like what what is signing day is it the December signing period is it like today is this the new signing day or is it still the traditional February date because basically what what you have now is you have two signing days you have the early signing period then you have like the old traditional day and when there are two none of them have that special feeling it's hard to get too excited about the December date when there are maybe still some names out there and the February date certainly doesn't have that same excitement level because you're basically at that point only waiting on maybe like one or two-ish names, really. Like most of most of your class is in the barn, man. Like that's it's already taken care of. So that, I, think that, I think that was probably the, the beginning of it. And then I think the NCAA, when they changed their rules to allow summer official visits, that was one thing that started to lead to earlier commitments. And the transfer portal really exacerbated that because it kind of changed the, rec- the recruiting calculus for coaches. So what high school prospects started to do is they started to kind of lock up those spots earlier and earlier in the cycle because they wanted to make sure they had their spot locked up before the coaches realized they had to go into the portal. So I think all of that kind of combined to create a situation now where signing day is still cool. It's still fun to, to see who ultimately end up landing. And, and sometimes there's a surprise here and there, but there's just not that much intrigue anymore. The, the surprises aren't there. There's not as much excitement. There's not as much wonder to it anymore. I, I guess, you know, the best way to put it is the magic is kind of gone. It, it's just kind of gone from sign day. But hey, whatever. I mean, that's just one, one dude's complaint. It's still about the players, right? And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter when we get them, I guess, ultimately. 
And uh, Kirby and company have put together yet another elite class that will keep us in the national title picture for years to come. And that's just not going to change, guys. As long as Kirby Smart is our head man, that ain't changing. Just get used to it. If you haven't gotten used to it by now, you better start getting used to it. So in, in trying to plan for how I wanted to you know, approach this episode, I don't know, man. I, I ran through a couple different ideas. But once again, I settled on a mailbag style approach where I just use your questions to guide this recap. And there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, you guys never let us down. Like we always get a ton of great questions. Um, and we got, you know, over the past couple days, we have gotten a lot of really good questions going in a bunch of different directions when it comes to signing day. Uh, and number two, our goal is always to give you guys the type of content that you want. So what better way to make sure that we're giving you the content that you want than using your questions to give you that content. So for me, it just kind of makes sense to do it this way. So we're going to get to those questions here in just a second. But before we get there, let's just do a very, very quick recap of the day for the dogs. So again, we went into this day with not much intrigue left. Right? We pretty much knew who was going to be in this class. But there were a couple of pieces that we did add. Uh, we flipped a three-star named Kyron Jones from NC State. He's a guy that was committed to NC State as a running back originally. He's out of North Carolina. But we are recruiting him as a defensive back. And he's a guy that, you know, I know when you guys see three-star, you're like, oh, my God, like, who cares? Like, we, we want the four-stars. Give me the five-stars. I understand that. Those guys, they, they hit on a higher rate for sure. But at this point, I've just gotten to where I – almost implicitly trust our staff when it comes to evaluations, especially when it comes to defensive backs. When you talk about Kirby Smart, you're talking about Will Muschamp, you're talking about Fran Brown. These guys have been around football for a long time. They know what they're looking for. And if we have taken Kyron Jones, a guy that's not one of these high-profile recruits, what that tells is our coaches have evaluated this guy. We've had him in on campus. We've seen this guy. We've talked to him. We've seen him at practice. And guys, look, when it comes to the Georgia Bulldogs and our football team, Scholarships are a very precious commodity. There are no charity cases here. Kirby Smart doesn't just give a scholarship out to somebody out of the niceness of his heart. He's only going to give you a scholarship if he is convinced that you are going to be able to help this football team win games. So Kyron Jones, I know that doesn't give you the kind of excitement that you typically want on a signing day, but hey, you know, if Kirby Smart's zeroed in on this guy as a DB he's after, I'm cool with that. And then another DB, uh, four-star cornerback Daniel Harris from Miami. We've got him back in the fold. So if you guys follow recruiting close, which I know most of you do, that name might sound familiar to you. He did originally commit to us back in July, but he decommitted back in November. There were some rumors for a month or so leading up to that 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 was going to happen. Uh, Penn State was a major player there, but ultimately we got Daniel Harris back in the fold, and he's another guy that I am very high on. I know, I know our coach staff is very high on him. And he's just one of those athletes from Miami, from South Florida, who I think has a really good chance to be a player for us in our back end. So you got those two guys in the defensive backfield. And then the big one in the afternoon, and Curtis and I talked about him on the preview episode earlier this week. We were asked, one of the questions we were asked was, hey, like of all the guys out there that we have a realistic chance to sign that we haven't gotten a commitment from yet, like who is at the top of your list? And both of us said Damon Wilson. And we absolutely needed to address our outside linebacking room in this class. And we did it in a big way. Damon Wilson being the latest addition to that edge rushing class. 
He's a composite top 40 player. Depending on what recruiting service you look at, he's a four-star, high four-star or a five-star player. Just depends on which one you look, you look at. But the 247 composite has him, a, has him as a top 40 player overall. And he's a really dynamic edge rusher. He does a really good job bending off the edge. He does a really good job chopping, getting offensive linemen's hands off of him. Right now, he's more of a pass rusher than he is like a complete outside linebacker in terms of defending against the run. But that's one of the things that you can work with him once it gets so You can teach him that. It's it's the athleticism, the, the raw talent, the ability that you can't teach. And this guy has all the makings of being a big-time outside linebacker for So very, very excited to land him. And look, he's a guy that... All, all the, the information we were getting in the past couple of weeks was that, yeah, he's going to be a guy that George is going to add to our class on signing day. It, it was really between us and, uh, and Ohio State. He made his official visit to campus back in October, and then he came back for an unofficial visit a month later in early November, which was the game where we played Tennessee. He was there for that game, and we made a big move. The reports were coming out of out of that visit. We made a big move for him there. In fact, Ryan Day and company got so scared, they used their in-home really early with him shortly after that so that they could try to get him back in the fold or, or get him to where they felt like he was going to commit to Ohio State. And then he made an unofficial visit back to Columbus for the Michigan game. So it kind of seemed like it was trending in Ohio State's favor there for a couple of weeks. But you got to give Kirby credit, and really maybe more than anyone, you got to give Chidira Uzo-Daribe, our new outside linebacker coach, a lot of credit here. Not just Damon Wilson, he's put together one hell of an outside linebacker recruiting class. You can throw in Samuel Mpemba, five-star prospect from IMG. Gabriel Harris, who I think should be a five-star prospect, also from IMG because he played over Samuel Mpemba. Like, he was the one getting the reps over Mpemba, but somehow Mpemba's the five-star, but not Gabe Harris. You know, someone's got to figure that one out for me. I can't figure that one out. But, but Uzo Deribe has put together one hell of an outside linebacker recruiting class. He deserves a ton of credit here. And getting Damon Wilson at the end here was just the, the cherry on top of, of, of an outstanding class. So that was it. That, that was pretty much the day for Georgia. Now, again, we don't have as much entry because nowadays with all those different factors I mentioned, you kind of have the vast majority of your class put together prior to the early signing period. And a lot of these guys are enrolling early, and that's one of the reasons they also commit early. They sign the early signing period. So not much intrigue, not much excitement on the actual day, it's just nice to have this class put together and have most of these guys signed and in the bag. So there's your quick recap, and now I want to get to your questions, but first, let me just quickly go ahead and get this out of the way and throw it at you guys. All of you guys out there have been watching college ball very closely for what? You know, going on four months now. So you've watched a lot of teams, you watch a lot of games, and you have a lot of knowledge coming from all that. So now is your last chance to make use of that during bowl season. Make sure, go today, go right now, go to mybookie.ag, sign up for a brand new account if you haven't already, use that promo code UGA, and not only are you going to get your initial deposit matched in cash up to $200, but right now, MyBookie is running the best promotion that they run all year long. In fact, they did this for the first time that I remember, at least, they did this last year. But they are running their 12 days of giveaways, coinciding here with Christmas and obviously New Year's as well. And guys, like what they're doing is they are giving you free cash to bet on. Like that, that's That's what they're doing. They're trying to figure out creative ways to put free money into your account so you can actually go and bet on whatever games you want to bet on and add even more money to your account. So make sure, guys, don't miss out on it. You know, they're trying. They're trying to help you guys out here. They're trying to do you a solid. So don't make it hard on them. Go ahead, if you haven't already, go to mybookie.ag, sign up for a new account while you still can. Use that promo code UGA and get yourself ready to bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, guys, let's dive into all these questions you sent in. Man, we have quite a few. We have, what, 11 or 12 or so, something like that to get to. So let's go ahead and uh, get this thing going here. I'm actually going to pair our first two questions together because they're they're very similar, but they're not exactly the same, but I want to kind of address them at the same time. So the first one comes from Lori. I really appreciate the question, Lori. Lori says, it's more of a statement than a question, but we're going to throw it in here as well because I, I, I get it, Lori. I feel you. Uh, Lori says, I feel like we lost momentum and Bama is killing it. And then Kevin also adds, this is three classes in a row that we have finished behind Bama in the team rankings. Are we falling behind? First off, let me just say this. Uh, both of you, Lori, Kevin, awesome questions. I totally get where you're coming from. Bama has a fantastic class right now. I mean, it is, it's an all-timer class. It really is a fantastic class. Kudos to those guys. Nick Saban, you know, he's not going anywhere, right? But at some point, it has to be time to stop comparing ourselves to Bama, right? Like I, I got it for a while when they were the standard that we were trying to measure up to. Like We were trying to get to that point. Like We were trying to win national title, and who do we have to chase down to do that? Of course, it was Alabama, but we've... We've done that, right? Like we, we won the national championship last year. We beat Bama in the process. And this year, like who's in the playoffs and who's not? So look, I get Bama's really good. Like Georgia's not going anywhere. And as long as Nick Saban is at Bama, they're not going to go anywhere. Now I think you're seeing signs of, of decay in terms of like the product on the field, at least some this year. But let's not write them off yet. Nick Saban, like Kirby Smart, is a master of details. And they grind and they grind and they grind and they are committed. They are dedicated to this. They live and breathe this stuff. So as long as those two guys are at their respective universities, neither team is going anywhere because they're just going to keep recruiting at a high level. But like, do we always just for perpetuity, are we always going to have to just compare ourselves to Alabama? And I'm not putting this on you, Lori or Kevin. I appreciate you guys very, very much. But uh, it just it just brings us something I've been thinking about. Like, at what point do we as a fan base just say like, no, like we're Georgia, like we're, we're doing our thing, like we are going to become the new standard. Bama's not going to, going to go anywhere. I understand that, but like we don't have to compare ourselves to them. Like they've done their thing, that's fine. Like th- let them do their thing, but we're doing just fine ourselves. Just 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 throw that out there. But yes, back to Bama. I get where you guys are coming from. Bama has a fantastic class, as I mentioned, guys. They have 14 players in the top 100 of the 247 composite. That's an elite class. I mean, that is as elite as it gets. 
We didn't put together quite that level of a class, but we also signed one hell of a, of a class ourselves, certainly an elite class, and we filled a lot of needs in the process, and we still are not done yet. As of right now, so mentioning Bama have, having 14 of the top 100 prospects in the 247 composite, well, we've signed right now, as it stands, 10 of the top 100 ourselves, and we could make that 11 or 12, depending on what Jordan Hall and Deuce Robinson do. Jordan Hall is going to announce his commitment tomorrow. I feel really good about that. It's a big-time defensive lineman. Deuce Robinson's waiting until the February signing day, and we have a really good chance. It's basically us and USC is what it sounds like with him. So if we add those two guys, well, that's 12 top 100 guys to Bama's 14. So is it really that big of a gap? I mean, really? But anyway, you slice it, Georgia and Bama are going to combine to sign a full one-fourth of the top 100 prospects in this cycle, which is just crazy. Two teams, two teams, guys. And so if you wonder why those two teams are consistently at the top of uh, the college ball world recently, um, that's why. That's why Kirby put such a premium on recruiting because that's how you win football games. You have to have better players. Sure, coaching matters, development matters, all that matters. It does, but none of it matters unless you have the players. Like you, There's a certain threshold of talent you have to have, and if you don't meet that threshold, it doesn't matter how good your coaching is. doesn't matter how good your development is. You might win a lot of games, but you ain't win national titles, and we are going to consistently be above that threshold, just as Alabama is, as I mentioned, as long as Kirby Smart is our head coach. But the point is taken. I get it, Lori. I get it, Kevin. Your points are taken here in terms of Bama like killing it this cycle. And, you know, we had a really good class ourselves, but it wasn't quite that level. I understand where you're coming from. But here's what I would I would say to that. Um, no matter how we close this class out, if we if we add Robinson, if we add Hall, or we don't, like whatever. No matter how we close this class out, here's the thing. Recruiting rankings are a very inexact science. Now, all these guys for these various recruiting services that do the rankings by and large, they do a very good job. They do the best job they can, but they miss on guys routinely. It happens every single cycle. Sometimes there's guys who are rated way too high, five stars that shouldn't be five stars, like, oh, I don't know, Spencer Rattler. Sometimes there are guys that are ranked too low. There are three stars that should be high four stars or maybe even five stars or four stars that should be five stars. And why are those guys underrated? Because a lot of times these recruiting writers and these rankers, they don't they don't see these guys. They rely heavily on camps because there's only so many guys do these rankings. They don't have the manpower to watch every single high school team, every single high school player out there on a regular basis during the high school football season. They can't watch all those guys. So they rely heavily on camps. They rely heavily on like the Under Armour and the All-American Bowl games. So like the, the, those weeks of practice, those kind of things. So guys slip through the cracks if they don't go to the camps. If they aren't an Under Armour All-American or it used to be an Army All-American, but now just All-American Bowl All-American, I guess is what it's called. So it's just the system, honestly. It's a very flawed system. I don't put the blame on the guys themselves to do the best job they can, but they're undermanned. Like they just don't have the manpower to, to really do the kind of job that you would want them to do. So there's that, right? And also for us, I'll throw this in there too. We don't have a quarterback in this class. Now, why do I bring that up? Why does that matter? Well, quarterbacks, at least the ones that Georgia and Alabama are going to be signing, the top teams are going to be signing, they are typically among the more highly rated members of your class. We did not sign one in this class because we didn't need to. We took our shot at Arch Manning. We were in there to the very end, didn't end up landing him. That's fine. We didn't have to have one in this class. Well, Bama took two. So that in some way kind of inflates the rings. When we don't have a quarterback in our class, they have two. We also, I don't know if they, I can't remember if Bama took a kicker or not. We took a kicker in this class. Kickers, even the best kicker in the country, guys, is never going to be ranked higher than the three-star. They're just never going to because the the way that they do the rankings, one thing is they, they, 
openly talk about is they put a value on the position. So if you're a kicker, they just don't see as much value in the position, so they're not going to rank you a five-star. It just never happens. There's no five-star kicker that I can ever remember. Like the highest you see is a three-star. Usually those guys are two-stars. So that kind of deflates your class a little bit well. So again, it's just a flawed system in how they go about doing the rankings, right? So what you want, all right, is to be in the ballpark of the number one class. So it's an inexact science, and as long as you are in the ballpark of the number one class, if you are in the ballpark, in the ballpark, let's define that as like if you are in the top three to four routinely. What that means to me is you have recruited the type of talent that you need to compete for national titles, and that is once again exactly what we have done. And I'll also add this again, going back to recruiting being, in, or at least the recruiting rankings being being an inexact science evaluations matter okay so some of these guys that might not come to some of these camps that that rivals or 247 or now on three or whoever put on they might go to a campus and work out for a coaching staff and then when the coaching staff gets to put their eyes on them there in person and they do their own evaluation well just because rivals or 247 has them as a three star or maybe even unranked guy like lad mcconkey doesn't mean that's really what they are. When our coaches get to work them out and see for themselves what these guys are made of, those evaluations matter to me. And some coaching staffs are better at that than others. And I would put our coaching staff up there at the very top in terms of their evaluations. I know sometimes we take these three, these three stars, right? And you're like, God, man, like, why are we taking three stars? Like, we're Georgia. Like, we're selling for that. And you like to make fun of other, other teams, other rival fan bases when they get a three star. Well, guys, sometimes our coaches just know more than what those recruiting writers do. Like It's just that simple. Sometimes they get to evaluate these guys on a level that recruiting writers just simply don't. Again, that's not a shot at the recruiting writers. They only have so much to work with. But our coaches, they evaluate these guys in their own way. And our coaches hit on some of these guys, these low three-star guys, more often than I think I see almost anywhere in the country. You're talking about guys like A.D. Mitchell. You're talking about guys like Lab McConkie. Talking about a guy like Jordan Davis. And the list goes on and on and on. When we take a three-star, I don't go, oh, man, like why are we taking this guy? I don't do that. I say, oh, our staff must know something that the, the recruiting writers don't. And I trust our staff because they have given me no reason not to when it comes to this. And then development matters too. Like Actually developing your players, that matters. Right? The talent matters, yes. But developing those guys, coaching them up, that matters too. And the reality is, guys, over the past couple of years, and you can argue with me with this if you want. That's fine. But I believe, based on what I've seen, that we have been evaluating and we have been developing players at a far superior level compared to Alabama over the past couple of years. That's just my opinion. Like Bama, they only, they're not taking a ton of three stars. They don't take those guys very often. We take those guys at a higher rate. Now, we don't take a ton of them, but we take more of them than you see Bama would typically. But we are developing those guys and we are evaluating them in a way that Alabama staff has not been recently. And I'm of the opinion that, the, that we just have a better staff. Nick Saban is fantastic. I mean, he's the GOAT. You can't argue against that. But the guys he has on staff right now, especially on the defensive side of the ball, they don't match up to our staff. They just don't. And we have an awesome culture to go along with that. We recruit guys to our culture. And I think that matters. And, and, and filling needs matters too. Like I, I mentioned outside linebacker being a major, major, major position of need in this class. And we went out and put together one hell of an outside linebacking group in this class. Wide receiver, another major need. We're going to the portal. We're going to get some guys from the portal. But this wide receiver class is one of the best in Georgia history. I don't know if we have, we have a question later about is it the best in Georgia history? I don't know. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it's certainly up there. And here's another thing. I firmly believe 
that your portal class in this day and age should be calculated into your team recruiting rankings. I don't think it should just be exclusively high school players. Well, and, and they also count JUCOs. That's another thing too. So they, they count high school players and they count JUCOs in your in your team ranking in that class. So why don't they count other transfers? That just that doesn't really compute to me. I don't understand that. So let's say, I don't know. I mean, we don't know who will actually land. But let's say if, if we land, I don't know, Travis Hunter and uh, Robert Thomas and maybe Dominic Love and maybe a transfer running back. Well, wouldn't that change your perception of our roster next year? Well, if that's the case, why aren't those guys included in the actual team rankings? They're at they're being added to the roster this year, so shouldn't they be included? So I don't know. I would throw that in there as well, it, because those guys, those, those transfer guys, those guys are proven players in a way that these high school prospects aren't. We we hope these high school prospects are going to turn to be great players. But we don't know guys like Travis Hunter and Rara Thomas and Dominic Lovett. Like we know what those guys can do at this level. We've seen it, right? And here's here's one last thing, okay? I know I'm kind of going on and on here, but these are two really good questions. I want to make sure I answer them in a comprehensive way. Last thing here. Who are we falling behind? Like, really? Like, who are we falling behind here? The last time I checked, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, last time I checked, we beat Bama in the national title last year. And the last time I checked, it's Georgia and not Alabama in the playoffs this season. Isn't the field of play where you actually want to be ahead? Like I know, yeah, Bama's recruited I, technically on paper. They've had slightly better recruiting classes than us each of the past three years, but has that really played out on the field? I know they won the SEC championship last year. Sure, whatever, but we won the, nat- the Natty, and we're in the playoffs this year undefeated. Alabama lost two games. So aren't we clearly ahead of Bama on the field of play where I think it ultimately matters because like recruiting is a means to an end, right? It's a means to help you win on the field of play. Right now, we are doing that at a higher level than Alabama. So have we really fallen behind then? And then outside of Alabama, at least you can argue we've fallen behind Alabama. You can at least make that argument with a straight face. But who else are we falling behind? Like Tennessee? I mean, I know they had a nice year this year, but guys, Tennessee... Nice, solid class, top 10. They finished 10th, in, in, or at least as of right now, when I'm recording this, they're 10th in, in the 2023 recruiting class. Uh, Florida, solid class for them, 12th. South Carolina, solid class for them. I mean, compared, you know, relative to who they are, 16th. Auburn, better than last year, but barely inside the top 20 right now, number 19. So who actually are we falling behind? I mean, look, I get we want to be the number one class. That'd be great, right? You want to have bragging rights. You want to pump your chest. That's one thing that makes college football great. And I know people are frustrated about Caleb Downs and Justice Haynes. And I'm, I'm kind of frustrated about that too. But look, Curtis and I have talked about this many times in the past. When it comes to Gwinnett County prospects, just don't even just don't even consider them options for us anymore. Like we, we just don't get them. Like we're, it's, a, it's a transient area by and large. And um, we just don't get those guys. Now, Haynes is obviously not, he's, an, he's the exception there, being a legacy player but he's one of those guys sometimes you know legacy often works in your favor but sometimes it does work against you when a guy like he doesn't want to be in his dad's shadow he wants to go off and do his own thing wants to be his own man so sometimes it can't work against you in this case it did him and downs are tight downs goes to alabama it is what it is those guys are elite players i'm not going to sit here and downplay them and say oh you know they're overrated no they're really really good players i would love to have them in this class but this you know gwinnett county strikes again and i can say that with authority guys because i am a gwinnett county product myself i wasn't born in Gwinnett County. I guess technically I was born in Atlanta, but I lived my entire life until I went to Georgia in Gwinnett County. I grew up in Lilburn uh, for the most part, and then I moved to Snellville when I was, what, in sixth grade? 
and lived in Snellville till I went to college. So yes, I am intimately familiar with how Gwinnett County operates and I know the area very well. And I'm just telling you, there's a lot of transient people there that aren't necessarily um, Georgia natives, might've gone to other universities. It's uh, the metro area is just like that. Gwinnett County is, is one of the, the, the biggest, one of the biggest counties, the biggest school system in the entire state. So I wish it wasn't that way because there are a lot of big time players that come out of Gwinnett County, but um, it's just been that way for a while, man. But anyway, back back to the actual question is my point here. I get we want to be number one. I understand that. I understand people are frustrated about Downs and Haynes. I get all that. But having the number two class in the country means that you are recruiting at a national championship level, all right? You have a national championship caliber recruiting class. And depending on how our coaches evaluated and developed those prospects, this class is absolutely in the ballpark and it's close enough to Bama with the margin for error when it comes to recruiting rankings that it could end up actually being better. I'm not saying it's going to be better than the Bama class. I'm not saying that, but there's a, again, like, like it's an inexact science. There's a margin for error when it comes to recruiting rankings. And we are certainly within that margin for error. And depending on how we develop our players and how things play out, we can look back in a couple of years and say, you know what? Yeah. Bama had this, you know, on paper, great class, but Georgia's class actually ended up being better. They played at a higher level. We'll see. We'll see it. But that's certainly within the realm of possibility. Okay, let's keep this thing moving here. Let's go to another question. Jared has an interesting question, kind of along the same lines to a degree here. He asks, after winning a national championship and finishing another regular season undefeated, you would have thought we would have had a stronger class. Why didn't we see the natty bump this cycle? Very fair question, Jared. Um, I would counter and say we had an extremely strong class. Having the number two class in the country um, is almost the strongest you can have, right? Obviously behind Alabama, but still a very, very strong class, an elite class in every way, shape, and form. But when it comes to the natty bump, I understand that. I've heard, I've heard quite a few people mention this over the past couple of weeks, but it usually takes a cycle for that to really kick in. And the reason is, with especially these days, with how recruiting timelines have been accelerated for all the reasons I laid out earlier, players are getting locked in and they kind of know where they want to go. Even if they haven't committed yet, they kind of know where they want to go earlier and earlier and earlier in the cycle. So the fact is, when we won the national title last year, a lot of those players kind of already had in their mind where they wanted to go, pretty much knew where they wanted to go. They might, they might you know, want to take a couple of visits here and there and enjoy the process, but they were they were just so much further along in their recruitments that it didn't really have the impact that it's going to have in this next class. And in the, in the 2024 class and also the 2025 class, that's where you're going to start to see those dividends more than you would see in this class because those guys, the relationships are already built. They've already seen a lot of these campuses. They've, they're already really far along in their recruitment, whereas these guys in the 2024, 2025 class, not as far along. So I think it will have more of an impact with those guys. I'm not saying it doesn't have an impact at all with the 2023 guys. Of course, it has some, but I just don't think it's going to have as significant impact as you will see in the 2024 and 2025 class. And honestly, guys, looking ahead to 2024, I know right now we want to talk about 2023. There's a chance that our 2024 class might end up being Kirby Smart's best class. If you look at who we already have signed, some of the guys that we we are in very, very heavily for when it comes to the top guys in the country. It's a long way to go in that class, but just, you know, just put that in your back pocket. It might end up being Kirby's best class. Could. We'll see. We'll see. So good question there, Jared. I get where you're coming from, man, but I think you'll see some of those gains and some of the some of those dividends pay out here in the next class or two. All right. Next question is from Jonathan. Jonathan is asking who are three players on offense and three players on defense you think have the best chance of being major contributors next season? All right, very good question here. 
Um, Curtis and I, we'll, we'll do some more recruiting talk. Like we'll go like in depth with each of these players once the season ends. So probably in late January, early February, maybe around the, the traditional signing day period, but I'll give you a, a quick little taste here. Defensively, three guys at the top of my head that I think have a chance of being big time contributors next year. I'm gonna go Damon Wilson, the outside linebacker that we signed this year out of Venice. Um, Gabe Harris, the guy I mentioned earlier out of IMG, who's a high four star, but he's ranked behind Samuel and Pimba, even though he gets reps ahead of Pimba at IMG. I think he's criminally underrated right now. I think he could be a big time edge rusher for us. He also does a really good job against the run. And then safety, um, Janelle Aguero from up north, man. Um, six foot, 195 pounds. I love his athleticism. I like his size and I like the violence in which he plays the safety position. He will bring the wood and he will hurt you. He will flat out hit you. I think there's going to be some opportunities. Like when you're talking about who are going to be the, the bigger contributors next year, I think the first thing you have to think about is, okay, who has an opportunity based on depth at that position on our roster currently? And outside linebacker, you guys know, man, like we've talked about it for a month plus now. There's not much depth there for us right now. So that's why I go Damon Wilson and Gabe Harris. Those guys are going to have opportunities. Uh, I, I like Sam Limpimba as well. I just think he's more raw at this point. He's going to take a little bit more development. I don't, I don't know if he'll be a year one contributor. And at safety, with Chris Smith moving on, you know, Dan Jackson should be back. We've got David Daniel back there. So we have some options. But Aguero, I mean, Tyke Smith might fit in there as well. But Aguero has that physical profile. And coming in as an early enrollee certainly will help as well to put himself firmly in that conversation, kind of the way that Malachi Starks did last year. So those are three defensive guys off the top of my head. Offensively, one guy that I am borderline in love with is wide receiver Tyler Williams. Now, I've it depends on where you look when you get a measurement for him, but it varies. I've seen him listed as anywhere between 6'2 to 6'5 in terms of his height, but he's let's just say he's 6'3 and a half, 6'4" about 210-ish pounds, okay? This dude is long, he's athletic, he has fantastic body control, he's very fluid for a big guy, he moves really well. A lot of, a lot of times guys with these big, taller receivers, they don't move as well, they're not as fast, they're not as fluid athletes, but not the case with Tyler Williams. The comp I would put out there, and this is not fair to the kid, but Quentin Johnston at TCU, he's kind of that kind of receiver. Tall, long, but also really, really athletic, really good speed. He tracks the ball very, very well in the air. I I think this guy has a chance to be a big-time player for us at wide receiver. He's the highest-rated receiver in the class. He's a top, I think he's like number 88, something like that, in the 247 composite, so he's a top 100 guy. And he gives us something at receiver that we don't really have. We don't have a guy with that kind of size, that kind of length right now. I think he's going to be a big-time player. And talking about opportunities, we looks like we're going to be probably be landing some guys from the transfer portal at that position. But look, there's going to be opportunities at receiver. We rotate a lot at that position. I think Tyler Williams can certainly factor into uh, the uh, factoring some playing time next year. Roderick Robinson at running back could be a guy. We're going to lose Kenny McIntosh almost certainly. Kendall Milton, I don't know what's going to happen there, but it's a possibility we lose him. I think Roderick Robinson is a guy from California who's a big thick dude about two I mean he's listed like 230 he looks like he's about 240 he's a tough physical runner got really good speed I told you guys last week they clocked this guy at 22 miles an hour at 230 pounds he played in a state championship game it kind of looked like he was moving in slow motion the reason it looked like that is because he was playing with a pulled hamstring the guy could barely move he's out there playing for his team and he ran for I think he put almost what was almost 250 in that game this guy is the real deal I know we missed on Justice Haynes and, and like Justice Haynes is gonna be a really good player for Alabama I really like Roger Robinson. I know he's not as highly rated. I think he's actually one of those guys that's kind of criminally underrated. I think he's going to be a really good player for us. And the third guy, this might surprise some people, 
But I'm going to go with tight end Lawson Lucky. I know he's not as highly rated as Pierce Sperlin. And this is not a shot at Sperlin. I like Sperlin as well. Sperlin might have better ball skills at this stage. Probably does. But Lawson Lucky is a better blocker. And we're probably going to lose Darnell Washington to the NFL draft, right? I think we probably are going to see that happen. And I wish the best of luck to him. He's been awesome for us. Brock is back. Oscar Delp is back. Those guys can function in line and block, and they're willing blockers. Brock certainly improved a lot in that role this year, but that's not still his the strength of his game. Lawson Lucky of the of the two tight ends that we signed in this class is clearly the better blocker, and I, he can certainly go out and catch passes as well, just like Darnell Washington. He's not as big and strong as Darnell. He's not that kind of freak, but he's a really good blocker. I think he can fill a role and play for us, doing a lot of the things that Darnell was able to do for us this year and, and at points you know, when he got back healthy last year as well. Now, look, again, he's not Darnell. He's not going to do it the way that Darnell does it, but I think that he's a guy that can come. If you're looking for a guy to find a role, to play right away on offense. I think Lawson Lucky was ability to be a, a guy that can that can play in line and block and also go out and receive passes as well. I think he could be a guy that could find himself some early playing time next year as well. All right, next question is from Eric. And this is the one I, I kind of teased this question a little earlier. It's a very good question. Um, Eric asks, is this the best wide receiver class in Georgia football history? It's a very fair question. It's certainly up there. It's in the conversation. However, I would say the 2020 recruiting class, which is the one that had uh, Marcus Rosemey, Jack St. Arian Smith, Jermaine Burton, Justin Robinson, that class in 2020 was a more highly touted recruiting class, wide receiver recruiting class. We had three top 100 guys in that recruiting class. So Marcus Rosemey, Jack St., we had Arian Smith, and we had Jermaine Burton. All three were inside the top 100. Right now, with this recruiting class, this receiving class, we only have one player. Tyler Williams is the only guy inside the 247 composite top 100. So based on recruiting rankings, the, the 2020 class was more highly touted. But those are just rankings. Again, I mentioned earlier, it's an inexact science. There's a margin for error there. So when it's all said and done, it's very feasible that this wide receiver class with guys like Tyler Williams and Anthony Evans and... Yazid Haynes and Raymond Cottrell, they could end up playing their way into being the best recruiting class in Georgia history based on what they do on the actual field of play. And as I said earlier, recruiting rankings are a means to an end. What matters is how they play on the field. And we've seen what happened with that 2020 class. Marcus Rosemey Jackson um, has been hurt a fair amount. has had a good solid year for us this year. Hasn't been a game-breaking receiver for us. Arian Smith has been hurt his entire career. Makes plays when he's out there, but he's just not out there very much. And Jermaine Burton is no longer with the program. So, if those guys can go out there and do on the field, then absolutely they could end up being the best recruiting, best receiving class in Georgia history. But just based on recruiting rankings, it's not quite there. It's in the conversation, but just not quite there. All right, next up, we've got a question from Travis. Travis says that we don't have a true center committed in this class. Who will be our center after Cedric Van Pran? Another really important question. I don't know what SVP is going to do after this year, uh, after the season is over, he obviously could come back, but he's a guy that I, I think could explore what his options are in the NFL draft. I'm sure he's going to get some input and go through the process and get feedback from NFL scouts and kind of see where he stands. So we'll see what happens there. But let's say just for argument's sake that he does move on. Van Pran's going to the NFL. Well, I think the two options you're going to look at right now are probably Austin Blasky, 
who's been working in that role some this year. Now, Warren Erickson right now is our backup center, but Blasky's also gotten some time there as well. Uh, he's guy's a former wrestler. I mean, I'm high on former wrestlers on the offensive line. He's that little nastiness. Griffin Scroggs, the guy that we got from Grayson in this last class that I think could factor in there as well. I think both those guys are probably centers long-term. They could both play guard, but I think maybe they fit in at center better than they do guard, at least certainly better than some of the other guys that we have on the roster. So those would be the two names I'm looking at right now, but you're right. We don't have a true center committed in this class. I think our coaches are looking at Blasky and Scroggs right now um, down the road if Cedric Van Pran does indeed decide to enter the NFL draft. And guys, we got plenty of more questions to get to, but before we move any further, I do just want to quickly remind you one last time before Christmas. The, like We're cutting it close, guys. Right now, it's the 21st. We've got a couple of days, but if you're in the market for any last-second Christmas gifts for the Georgia fans in your lives, Alumni Hall is here to save the day. Whatever you want, whatever your preferences, whatever the people in your lives, whatever kind of George gear they like, Alumni Hall is going to have it, guys, because they have the best selection of George gear that you will find anywhere on planet Earth. And when you do your shopping at Alumni Hall, what makes it even better is that every purchase you make, they add that to your Hall Pass rewards points. And once you reach 150 Hall Pass rewards points, you get $10 to spend on your next purchase. And if you're buying stuff for Christmas for all the Georgia fans in your lives, you're going to rack up some points real quick, guys. Maybe get some some points and maybe buy yourself a little something to treat yourself. So make sure today, guys, stop in in in-store inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center for that last second shopping or online at alumnihall.com because Alumni Hall is where... The Bulldog Shop. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, guys, I'm back here. Got a couple more questions. Let's go with Peter's question next. Peter is asking about the running back position. He asks if Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton both go pro or transfer after this season. We will be thin at running back. Can Roger Robinson be an instant impact player? And do we add a second running back to the class? Um, yes and yes. Um, to just give you a short answer there. Yes, I told you guys earlier, I think Roger Robinson's very underrated running back. I think he's a, certainly a top 100 guy. I might sit here and say he should be a five-star guy, but I mean... I think he's a really good player. I mean, he's big, he's physical, he's fast. He's got really good feet for a guy that size. He's a really tough player. Again, played on a on a hamstring that he shouldn't have been playing on in the state championship game and ran for 250 in California where they play big boy football out in California, right? So this guy is going to be a big-time player for us um, maybe as early as next year. Absolutely. He was in my in my top three of guys that think can be an impact player on the offensive side of the ball, and that's with good reason because this guy is a, is a stud. He's a flat-out stud. And to the second part of the question, do we add a second run back to the class? The answer is yes, 
but I don't think it's going to be a player out of the high school ranks. I think we're going to go to the portal for the second running back. The two guys that I would look at here that I've heard the most conversation around are Marshawn Lloyd from South Carolina. We recruited him heavily when he first came out of high school. He ended up going to South Carolina. He's a guy that he he wasn't healthy his entire career at South Carolina. Had a really nice start to the year this year for them. Got banged up, ends up transferring. But he's a guy that can run between the tackles. He's a guy that can also hurt you out of the backfield in the receiving game. I really like his game. Uh, We have that built-in relationship with him. So I think there's a really good shot there. And then the other guy that we might have an outside chance at, at least to get, I, I don't know if we have an outside chance, maybe we have a better chance than that, but a name that maybe is on the periphery because he doesn't play at a Power 5 school is a guy named Bisul Tutin. And I'm probably like butchering that name, but it's, I think it's Bisul Tutin from North Carolina A&T, HBCU University, who put up 1,700 all-purpose yards this season for North Carolina A&T and was an FCS All-American. We have offered him. I don't know if we're going to get him on campus. I don't know how serious he's considering us, but certainly a name to watch there. And I've heard our name mentioned in, con- in connection with him as well. So yeah, Roger Robinson definitely has the ability to be an instant impact player. And we are going to add another running back to this class, especially if Kendall Milton ends up going pro or whatever happens there. I don't know what happens there, but uh, I think we're going to add another guy, but it'll be from the portal and Lloyd and Tootin seem to be the guys I'm hearing the most about right now. All right, next we've got a question from Ben. Uh, Ben asks, could Janelle Aguero make the same type of impact next year that Malachi Starks did this year? So if you guys aren't familiar with Janelle Aguero, you might want to familiarize yourself with him. Because this dude is, uh, he's a stud, man. He's one of the top guys, actually at the third highest, fourth highest rate guy in our class right now. He is from Massachusetts. He's from up north. He's a top 50 player nationally. And he is, uh, you know, he, he's kind of, he kind of does remind you of Malachi Stark to a degree. So he's a guy that has a, has a really good physicality to his game. He's got good size. I don't think he's quite the level athlete that Malachi was, and that's not a shot at Aguero because Malachi is just like that dude. Like he is just that good of an athlete, but he's a really, really good athlete in his own right as well. And I mentioned earlier, if you're talking about making an impact as a true freshman, the thing that you have to have more than anything is opportunity. If that position group is just stacked in front of you, it might not matter how good you are. You're just probably not going to play that much, right? But safety is a spot where we're going to have at least one vacancy. And there's some guys that are on campus right now that have put the time in and they've worked hard. They're going to be fighting tooth and nail for that job too, but there's going to be opportunity. And Aguero coming in as an early enrollee could position himself very similarly to how Malachi Starks did coming into this season. So yeah, I think he certainly has a chance. I, it's it's hard to tell. You don't know until you see these guys out there on the field. Like we, I, I thought Malachi would be a really good player, but you just don't know until you see him on the field. I think the same thing is true here with Aguero, but he's got the profile, he's got the makeup, he's got the opportunity to see if he takes advantage of that. All right, next, I've got a question from BN Bade. Appreciate it, man. And he asked, how is the recruiting looking on the offensive line? Yeah, um, so we got kind of spoiled with Sam Pittman for a couple of years there because he was just landing an elite five-star after elite five-star, right? And in this class, we didn't land the big five-star guys that we have in the past. But I, I still think we put up a really nice class. I think it was a really nice class for Stacey Cereals. And look, guys, you know, we signed Ernest Green last year, who I think has the chance to be a really, really good left tackle for us. Now, I'm kind of concerned he had a back surgery, which is never good for anybody, for anyone who's had any kind of back injury, especially for a guy that's that big. But I'm praying to God that he comes back. He's healthy for, for the spring, or at least for fall camp and summer workouts and all that stuff. I think he can be a really big-time player for us coming out of California in last year's cycle. This year... 
We didn't land the big five-star guys. We got some really good players. Monroe Freeling is a fringe top 50 guy. Um, he's really long, moves well, got a really good frame. Right, right now, he's about 285, he's, but he's got a frame. He could be 310, 315, easy. I think a college weight program is going to do a lot of good for him. Bo Hewley is another guy, top 150 prospect. He's a big six foot seven, more of a guard prospect. And we had to fend off Auburn basically the entire cycle. Even once he committed, there was a lot of conversation. Oh, Auburn's making a move. Auburn's making a move. Well, Auburn tried and it didn't work out. So it sucks for you, Auburn. But he's another big time prospect in this class. Uh, Kelton Smith is a lower rated four-star, but a four-star prospect in his own right. Jamal Merriweather. Um, those are some big dudes. Guys, we're talking about guys like in the, the 320, 330 range. So you can tell that we're looking for the big boys up front with Hewley coming in at 6'7", Freely being a guy that's got a lot of size and length as well. He's got to add some more weight. He's got a massive frame. But this is a really nice class. It's not maybe some of the classes that Sam Pittman put together, but I think this is a group of players that's going to fit in really nicely with our style of play. I think we're going to have some big-time players in this class along the offensive line. All right, our next question is from Lloyd. We've got two more left here. So Lloyd asks, are there any more players that we could possibly add to this class? Yeah, I think I mentioned them a little bit earlier, but let's go into a little more detail here. So most of this class is done, right? Right now, I think we have 26 players coming in this class currently. Now, the hard 25 cap, that's the thing of the past with the transfer portal and all that. You can There's different ways you can maneuver around that. So we can add a couple more guys without a problem. Now, we're going to save some spots for the transfer portal. That's going to happen, but there are a couple guys out there that are big-time players that we have a very good chance to land. Jordan Hall is the first one that comes to mind. Now, depending on when you're listening to this, he might have already announced his commitment. He is committing on Thursday, the day after signing day. I think at like 2.30 in the afternoon, something like that. So depending on when you're listening to this, he might have already committed to the G. We'll see. But he's a big-time defensive lineman out of Florida, 6'4", 300 pounds. He's the number 55 player overall in the 247 composite. And I love this guy. I talked, I think maybe last week, about how there's a certain level of concern that I have going into next year about who our difference makers are on the defensive line next year. I think we have some guys that could be difference makers that could grow into it, but they just haven't done it yet. Well, I think Jordan Hall has game changer potential along the defensive line. He's uh, explosive. He's powerful. He's huge. And if we land him, it could change my answer. You know, the, the question we got earlier about which defensive prospects do I think are most likely to make an, an immediate impact next year. Well, if we land Jordan Hall tomorrow, I might have to throw him in that mix. I think we ha- we have a need for game changers up front. And it's hard to be that as a true freshman because it's a man's league in the trenches. But he's a big, strong dude right now. I think he, can, he might be able to fit in right away next year. So certainly watch out for that tomorrow on Thursday. And the other guy is tight end Deuce Robinson from out of Arizona. He's a five-star prospect, top 30 nationally. He's 6'6", 225. It's crazy to think that we could land this guy with the fact that we already have two top-level tight ends already in this class. But when it comes to Todd Hartley, Curtis and I told you earlier this week, that man does not miss. It sounds like it's either USC or Georgia for him. It's really what it sounds like right now. It's a two-horse race, and I think it's maybe a 50-50 shot here. So I don't know if we'll land him, but that's going to be a February decision. I think he's taken to the the late signing period, but certainly, certainly a really good chance to add him to this class as well. And finally, let's wrap this up with a question from Brad who wants to know about the transfer portal. Brad wants me to make a prediction. He says, who do you predict that we add from the transfer transfer portal? Well, all right. Put me on the spot, Brad. So if I had to predict, all right, I think we're getting Rod Rod Thomas. I feel really good about him, probably better than I do any of the other guys. So if you guys are familiar with that name, which you should be if you listen to this show, he's a wide receiver transfer from Mississippi State. 
Uh, I feel pretty good about Dominic Lovett. Both Thomas and Lovett have already made official visits. I've heard really good things coming out of those official visits from around town here. Dominic Lovett, the transfer slot receiver transfer from Missouri, who's a big-time playmaker for them. Uh, I think Marshawn Lloyd, the running back from South Carolina, given our built-in relationship with him, coming back from his, going back to his high school days, I think that we ultimately end up landing him. There's a couple other teams in that conversation. I think we'll get him. And then here's the one where I'm just going to take a swing on. And I could be wrong here, guys. And, you know, when he first entered the portal and there were rumors that he was going to transfer, which you knew he was going to transfer, was Dion left Jackson State. I, I told myself, dude, don't fall in the trap. Don't fall in the trap. Don't let him play, play his games and get you all excited, get your hopes up, and then just to be crushed again. But I like where we sit with Travis Hunter right now. Looks like we're recruiting him as a wide receiver, but he's the kind of guy you just take and tell him, hey, dude, wherever you want to play, you're going to play. Like He's that kind of athlete. But it sounds like we're looking at him at receiver, telling him he can play that position. I think that's ultimately where he wants to play. He can play DB, can play receiver. He's just that kind of athlete. And look, there's going to be a lot of competition for Travis Hunter. We know that. But this dude is from Georgia. Now, if we land him, it's a Gwinnett County prospect that we'd ultimately end up getting. He went to Collins Hill, right? But we, it's a Gwinnett County prospect that we would get the roundabout way. But we made a really strong move with him down the stretch in last year's cycle. Now, it wasn't enough. Obviously, we know he went to Jackson State, but he was really, really, really giving us a lot of thought late in that cycle. I had that on very good authority from, from some folks around the program, guys. Now, at the end of the day, we didn't land him. We, we didn't get him, right? But we made an impression on him. And now that he's transferring from Jackson State, now he can certainly go to Colorado and then all this, he's just trying to like rile people up and and just get people all all hot and bothered and then just you know disappoint them and go to Colorado and just get that attention. Maybe that could be what's happening. Certainly could be. Maybe that's the more likely scenario here. But I really think that we did a good job recruiting him late in the cycle last year. We got him on campus multiple times. And Kirby Smart, from my understanding, has taken the lead and Travis Hunter's recruiting. Like he is taking over as the lead recruiter in, in this process for Travis Hunter. And guys, I, I'll just tell you, man, I ain't in the business of betting against Kirby Smart when he zeroes in on a guy like that. And it might not work out. He might not end up in the red and black. But I think that we have I think we have a really good shot here, guys. And you know what? Maybe this is just wishful thinking. Maybe it's looking through things with my red and black lenses. I don't know. But I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna predict that yes, we do land Travis Hunter. Oh, and how can I forget Dion Bowie, a.k.a. Smoke Bowie out of Bainbridge, Georgia, who was a five-star prospect in last year's class, or last year's cycle, ended up in that mega Texas A&M class, that number one recruiting class for the Aggies. He's now one of the many that have transferred out from that class, and I think it's almost an inevitability at this point that he ends up on our roster here rather soon. He's a guy kind of like Hunter that could play offense, could play receiver, could also play DB. I think he's going to be more of a DB for us. I think he could play corner. He could he could potentially factor in at safety. He could also play slot DB for us. I think I like him probably more in the slot, but he's a highly talented guy. Was in our class last year for most of the cycle. Ends up decommitting, end up in Texas A&M class. Obviously now he is no longer with that program, and I think it's just a matter of time until he ends up on the Georgia football roster. And honestly, guys, I think a couple of these guys, we might land sooner rather than later, like as in like before Christmas, like maybe Friday. That's the word I'm getting right now. Don't hold me to that. Things change, guys. Things change in recruiting, but I've heard that more than a couple of times over the past week or so. So just watch. This class could certainly get another another shot in the arm. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I don't understand why transfer portal additions are not added to your recruiting class rankings. Because if you add JUCOs, what's the difference? Those guys have already played college football too. It's just at a lower level. These guys are just more proven commodities that have played college football. So I don't know. Regardless, 
I think we're gonna land those guys, and if we do, dude, like, let's go, let's go, man, 2023, I mean, we've got finished 2022, but 2023 is gonna be another hell of a ride if we land those guys, but uh, all right, guys, that's all I got for you here today. I got one last thing I do want to say. This is the last episode that we will put out before Christmas. So I just want to wish each and every one of you out there a very, very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, whatever it is that you celebrate. Or if you celebrate nothing, just enjoy time with your family. Uh, Enjoy time off from work. Hopefully you have some time off from work. We love you guys. I know I say it a lot, but we appreciate each and every one of you so, so, so very much. This show would not exist without you. And uh, I want you guys to know that once again, that we, that we love all you guys. We appreciate you. And we all, all of us here at the Glory UJ podcast, myself, Charlie, Curtis, we all wish you a very, very happy holiday season. We'll be back First thing on Monday the 26th, right after Christmas, we'll have another preview, another Scout of the Enemy episode for you guys, this time previewing the Ohio State offense. So a lot of great stuff coming for you over the next week. But happy holidays to everyone out there. I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs.